Welcome to Hearthside Salons. I'm Heidi Hornbacher of Pagecraft Writing. Each week we bring you conversations with creators and innovators to feed your creative fire. A lot of people come to LA to pursue fame and fortune. Some find both, but not that many. But how many find what really counts? In the third of our conversation series, film executive Katie Haber talks about her charity work and how she developed that passion while working on films like Blade Runner. Her life is a great reminder to count your blessings and to take care of the less fortunate because that's where the richest rewards lie. I first met Katie at the British Consul General's residence. Naturally, she has an MBE. We start by talking about her friend, former Consul General Merrick Baker Bates. A note to listeners, this episode does contain swear words and adult themes. He was he was a saint. I mean, he was uh, very much into um, prison visits. You know, he was uh, he would visit all you know all the uh, long term lifers in prison and and you wow. know through his church and all the rest of it. And as as it progressed, and I think it was against uh, you know royal family laws and rules. But every Sunday, the, uh, the the swimming pool and the back the back garden was overrun by mostly African American and Latino kids with their with their Zoom boxes running around, and he would he would invite the children of the lifers that were, that were in jail to 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 come and swim in the pool and all the rest hey, of it. That's so yeah. lovely. And you know he was he was really wonderful, and he was. He was very supportive of my cricket team, you know, and and uh, yes. was there on the send off when the team went to England for the first time, and then invited them, invited them because he, you know, he lived in uh, Northampton, and, okay. and and he invited them down to Northampton to play cricket against the Northampton cricket team, and he was amazing. I'm still very much in touch with him, you know. Oh, good. Yeah. I love that when relationships like that are just you keep them for your life. Anyway, so I grew up. So I grew up in England, and 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 Wickham Abbey. I learned how to play cricket. Aha! And hence, you know, the rest of the, the rest of my story. I ran a homeless shelter for uh, for thirteen years. I know it's astonishing. I know. I, I astonish myself. <laughs> you and should. At the same time as being on the board of BAFTA, at the same time as starting the cricket team, at the same time as as starting in the city Shakespeare and all the rest of it. And as my mother would say, because all that work that I was doing was was it was an unpaid job. You know, when you're yeah. when you're on the board of a board of somewhere, you you don't get paid to be on the board. Except it was a you know, a, it was a full time job. Anyway, so you had your career. You're doing all this stuff. You're working with Sam Peckinpah, and you're working with Ridley Scott, and you've got all this stuff going on. And what made you uh, charity? What made you start that? I was in the film business. I was at BAFTA, you know. I was fully functioning, you know, in 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 the in the industry. And this was in about 1993, 92. And uh, I we had a um, I belonged to a nonprofit organization called the Creative Coalition, and the Creative Coalition existed here in in Los Angeles and in New York. And it was in it was people in the industry getting involved with social issues mm-hmm. like uh, 
homelessness and the arts, arts in schools and and uh, you know and and anything that had to do with with the world outside of our, the the world that we were living in, i.e., you know, the film business, the theatre, yes. the rest of it. it here, it, it, it was. Uh, the the uh, the the chairman the chairman of the of the the creative coalition was a guy called uh, Steve Sunshine who worked for X uh, you know for X the, the extra um, you know on TV mm-hmm. and, yeah I love that show and uh, he asked me to join so you know we were very involved in all sorts of you know social issues uh, after the um, the riots you know we created we created a as an ice hockey team at the at the chat the um, the boys and girls club on Vermont, oh. and I taught uh, ice hockey to you know I, I, these kids you know that were in totally right in the middle of all the you know the burning down of, of mm-hmm. in a city after the riots. Then we had a we had a homeless committee, and we had a, the the creative coalition went to the to, went down t- downtown and had a discussion. With uh, the then uh, mayor mayor of Los Angeles, Richard Reardon, mm-hmm. and various people who were dealing with homeless issues, like a, a woman in Chicago who was uh, putting together care packages for the homeless, uh, food care packages for the homeless, and then there was a filmmaker called uh, Michelle O'Hayan who'd done a documentary called the Beverly Hills Bag Lady mm-hmm. and, you know, about uh, homeless people that you know in Beverly Hills and all the. And we had this um, this uh, focus group. All the people came and spoke, and and uh, Richard Reardon spoke about the dealing dealing with homelessness in 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 Los Angeles. And there's a guy who came in unannounced, and who was not invited, um, called Ted Hayes. And he came in. He said, "You know, I'm start, I'm starting a homeless shelter downtown." And he brought this big uh, model of these of these domes. And he said, "I'm going to house house the homeless in domes, and we're going to create something called the Dome Village. And it's being funded uh, by BP and and all various and sundry uh, investors. And the Dome Villages will comp- comprise of 20 domes, the un- uncategorized homeless people who who cannot cannot get into any other shelters, i.e., you know, women with children, women, you know, families, you know, families. There's family shelters, but there's no." Mm-hmm. There's no shelter for men with children. There's uh, no shelter. There's, shel- there's no shelter for homeless people who have animals. Right. There's, there's no homeless shelters for people that, uh, you know, that that uh, for for gay for gay gay couples and all the rest of it. And we, you know, I immediately was you know fascinated by this whole concept of you know housing the homeless. And uh, after after everybody had get, given their speech. And what they were doing, you know, to to help the homeless issue, uh, we were put into groups. I was put into Ted's group, and we started talking. And he said, you know, I'm going to run this homeless shelter like a kibbutz uh, in in Israel. It's going to be self-governing. My my ears perked up, and I said, um, I'd love to learn more about it, you know. And long, long, long story short, um, they were they were just in the building stages of the Dome Village. I said, you know, I would love to come and volunteer and and help in any way. You know, I you know, I said, I'm a producer, a film producer. You know, and, and I'm perfectly capable of raising funds for films. You know, maybe I can help. You know, for the fund. You know, all yeah. this. that relationship started 
uh, way back, I would come down to the dome, you know, the dome village, which was under development, you know, instead of uh, one day a week, one day a month, it became one, you know, every day. And all of a sudden, mm. and all of a sudden it came to the opening and I became, I became the, ex- the executive director of a homeless shelter downtown. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, when your life, you know, you start, you know, you get up in the morning and you go in one direction and all of a sudden you, 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 you turned around and you're going in a completely different correct direction that you had no plans for whatsoever. Yes. And uh, I, I and, did very similarly. I got sucked into an, a nonprofit because I really believed in the mission and I was just going to do a little bit. And then I ended up as the executive director too. I was like, wait, no. I know. And and I spent, you know, I spent 13 years downtown. Wow. I as it said, we started this, the Creative Coalition, we'd started this, um, um, you know, ice hockey, ice hockey program at, at the Challengers Boys and Girls Club on Vermont, mm-hmm. and, and you know we'd taken the, we'd taken some of the kids there, um, you know, camping, you know, which they hated the most in the world, and they had no concept of why people would want to, right, you know, you know be out in the cold in a tent, yeah, you know, with no. TV. I don't blame them. I don't like it either. With no TV, nothing, you know, and, and we took them camping and, and it was the worst experience of their lives, you know, with these opinionated sort of toffee-nosed Brits, you know, oh, that's Brits, hilarious. Brits and, and, you know, thinking that we were doing the, these kids a favor, you know. Yeah, and, getting them out of the city. Yeah, I, I was sort of involved in, you know, that uh, that sort of outreach, you know, before, before the homeless situation, you know, came into my life. But I was still on the board of BAFTA. I was still, you know, making movies, you know, when I could. You know, I did two documentaries while I was working at, at, at you know, as executive director of the Dome Village. Wow. And, you know, and I was still chairman of the of the Britannia Awards. So I, and I, and I, and I told them, you know, I used to spend my days on Skid Row and my nights in Hollywood. <laughs> the red you carpet. Know, the red carpet. Oh my goodness. And one year, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was the chairman of the of the Britannia Awards and when we gave it to Steven Spielberg. And, you know, Steven Spielberg was there and George Lucas presented the Britannia Awards yes. thing and Harrison Ford was there. And, you know, I'm sitting at the top table because I was, I was the, at that year, I was the, uh, the chair, you know, and I'm sitting next to Steven, in between Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. And I thought, they'll have no clue where I was this morning. No. Oh my and, goodness. From, from Skid Row to, to, to the Beverly Hilton. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was ridiculous. I was still chair of the BAFTA cricket team. Must have been in 1995. The captain of the Beverly Hills cricket team asked me if anybody on the BAFTA cricket team could play cricket on the following Saturday. And I said, well, I'll find out. So, you know, I'd ask everybody and it was too short notice. You know, mm. this, was, this was Thursday. And Zan Rufus Isaacs, I called him up and, and I said to Zan, Zan, you know, I, I can't find anybody. And I said, um, nobody at BAFTA is, is willing to, you know, to give up their Saturday to play cricket. So he said, are you sure you can't find anybody? So I'm in the dome. I'm in the dome with Ted. And I said to Ted, Ted, do you want to play cricket this weekend? And he said, what's cricket? And, and I You're said. You're like, you will learn fast. I said, cricket, is, well, it's the same as baseball, except yeah. instead of running around in circles, you run up and down. And Fair said, enough. Okay. And I said, um, and the cricket game was underneath the Hollywood sign. Oh, know, I love that fit that pitch that's there. I used to take my dog there. Yeah, it's a dog, it's a dog walking pitch. Yeah. 
it's beautiful yeah but it's it's on it's on a it's on the grassy you know yeah. like a major grass thing with the hollywood sign right above you and and if you play cricket there it's wonderful except in, if you hit the ball you know it goes down 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 the side and all the, and all the way down to all the way down to the um, to the reservoir reservoir <laughs> yeah no, so there's so many cricket balls were lost, you have no idea. <laughs> so I said, well, well, you're playing cricket on Saturday underneath the Hollywood sign. So then I brought him with me. And Ted is, you know, a tall black gentleman with the dreadlocks. Okay. And he wears white already because he, he's, he always wears white. He, he's all dressed up, you know, all, all dressed in up. The cricket, in in the cricket whites. And Zan said to, to Ted, do you bat or do you bowl? Because he thought he was a Jamaican rookie, right? You know, he thought he was some Jamaican cricketer, and, and, and I'd scored. You, you know, yes. And and Ted said, "Do I do I do I bat or do I bowl?" I said, "You do not bowl." I said, "You just bat." And so they put him in his second bat, and they bowled the ball to him, and he sort of hit it like from up here, like, like with a baseball bat. Yeah. And and dropped dropped the bat, and then ran to first base. Oh, no. And everybody said, Ted, no, that's, this is the, the, the... Anyway, I did a, um, a TED Talk, Cricket Out of Compton. Yes. You, know, you know the movie Straight Out of Compton? Yes. Okay. But my TED Talk is Cricket Out of Compton. So anyway, so, you know, so Ted played cricket that day and he absolutely loved it. And what he loved the most about cricket were the, the, the respect you had for the other team that, you know, mm-hmm. you stopped the team. And you know, and you know, and you 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 respect the umpire, and the umpire says you're out. You don't you don't don't you know yell at him. Don't yell at him like they do in basketball and baseball and and and, and American football, and you know, punch him out and throw water over them and all the rest right. of it. He said, you know, cricket is such an elegant sport. It's such a dignified mm-hmm. sport. And what's most important is the respect you pay your the opposing team. He said, I think we should start a cricket, uh, cricket team at the Dome Village. Amazing. I said, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, we should start teaching cricket at the Dome Village. And I have all these pictures of the Hofer, the first team, which was with his uh, Ted's son himself and five or six of the, of the original Dome Village residents, male Dome, Dome Village residents, practicing cricket. In, in an alleyway outside of the Dome Village, using the trash can as stumps. Huh. You know, within about six months, I was I was taking a bunch of homeless guys to England to play cricket. You know, and, and I raised all the money and and you know, most importantly, was getting these guys, you know, most of them didn't have passports or anything to get oh, to Oh gosh, yeah. You know, as I said to Ted, if I can raise raise money for films, I can raise money to take a bunch of homeless guys to, uh, to play cricket in England and it wasn't that difficult because you know you it's difficult to get, find sponsors to train a team but you know to 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 take a bunch of homeless guys across the world yeah. to play cricket you know everybody was everybody yeah was it has a, a lot of appeal um, automatically what was your favorite thing about that trip like what was it like for them well, you know, the homeless guys on the airplane catching catching cigarettes off people and, and and putting them in the Savoy Hotel in London. You know, I mean, it was uh, it was it was wow, un- unbelievable. There's a and, whole movie script right there too. 
There was. Disney got the film rights. Oh, my God. But the script that was written was so terrible that it went into turnaround, which is a whole, ah. other, which is a whole other story. They had enough money because they, they, their story rights, the Disney purchased their story rights, you know, their life story rights. Yeah. And they all they left the Dome Village. They didn't, you know, they had enough money to, you know, to be, to be no longer homeless. Wow. We ne- we ne- we didn't have a cricket team. So <laughs> one of one of the original cricketers said, "Why don't we teach cricket in places like Hop Compton or the inner city where kids are killing themselves over the color of shoelaces?" Yeah. We started um, doing a, a cricket um, a demonstrations in Compton. In, in in fields in Compton, and you know, kids would, you know, see, see what see what what we were doing, and 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 you know, the gangs would come, you know, and said, you know, what 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 is this all about? What are you doing? Is it? And Ted would say, we're playing cricket, and just and you know, and he threw the ball at them, and and they dropped it, you know, and said, well, why is such a hard ball? He said, you know, in baseball, it's a much softer ball, easy. Is it? Is it baseball is for yeah, baseball is for sissies. This is cricket. So that's how the cricket team started in Compton and became the Compton Cricket Club. And, and they, they went on tour for three times to England and, and once to Australia. Wow. This, te- this team did, you know, no longer plays cricket because they're, they're, they're too busy raising families and they've grown up. You know, we lost three of the team, one to a car accident, one to a motorcycle accident and one to a drive-by shooting in Compton. Uh. And so, uh, so it hasn't continued. Like there aren't young kids now doing it. I I was the one picking them up and taking them to the to, to the cricket field. I was the one, you know. I'm I'm a little bit old to do. I was going to say that's that's not sustainable. They, they love the game. They love the game. Yeah. But they're now in their late thirties, you know. Some some in their forties. That cricket team started in 1997. I see. You know they've been around for a long time. I mean they yeah. love they still love the game. You know, and they became the first all-American cricket team. But they've they've they've, they've toured the world playing cricket. The, one of the wonderful stories, um, one of the, the most famous cricketers in England is uh, was a gentleman called Dennis Dennis Compton. When we went to play cricket in what was it, ninety seven, ninety seven or ninety nine, maybe ninety nine. I I called Dennis Compton up and I said, you know, we'd love to play cricket against your team. You know, he was no long no longer captain of of England, but, uh, you know, he retired, but he had a team in Boreham Wood. I said, we'd love to play, come and play cricket against your, your team. And he said, I would absolutely love to. And thank you so much for naming your team after me. <laughs> and, and, and I was, I just, I didn't have the heart to tell him that, you know, the Compton was in California, in California, in Los Angeles, in California. And uh, unfortunately, by the time they got there, he had died. But his, oh, no. his, his grandson, Nick Compton, uh, heard about us playing cricket in Australia and uh, came over and trained, trained with the team before we went to Australia. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and Nick Compton gave me his England shirt and his shirt says um, to Katie, the mother of Compton Cricket Club, thank you so, so much for naming your team after us. <laughs> and it was signed Nick, Nick and Dennis Compton. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. The last tour they went on was Australia in 2011. Okay. Well, that's pretty recent. I was going to say, I've never seen a dome village anywhere. I'm curious, like, what happened to it? It, it had closed because the 
landlord who owned the owned the property. He wanted the land to build a con to build condominiums on that property. And we told him that the Dome Village was built over a de defunct oil well. And so if you if you dig down, you know, to, you know, for garage space. It's not gonna go well. It's it's not it's not gonna happen. And we had to tell him that, you know, we were the perfect people to be on his property because yeah. Domes just sat on the land. We didn't have to dig down, you know, yeah. so that piece of property is still a parking lot. Oh, jeez. And has been ever since we left. For me, you know, it was a good thing because it was about time, you know, I got you out. You needed to move on, yeah. I needed to move on, but uh, the whole village was displaced, all the residents. Oh, that's horrible. But, they, but they, the good thing was because it was a panic situation, they were put on the um, Section 8 housing, housing ah. list. And, you know, Good. immediately, and they all they all got homes. Good. And they're, oh still, and they're still, you know, they're, they're still, they're still, their children, and they're, they're still friends with, with me. All, yes. All, all the residents. It's just, I'm glad to hear that. And it just the sad demise of the Dome Village is just a it, it perfect. Closed in, closed in 2006. Okay. It's you a know. perfect uh, encapsulation of no good deed goes unpunished. That's right. So then... Uh, tell me about Inner City Shakespeare. How, when, when, when was that, and how did that come about? All this in Inner City, Inner in in City, <laughs> Inner City Shakespeare started off as a BAFTA program. I instigated a screening program of BAFTA movies in parks in in all the parks surrounding parks, South Central and mm -hmm. and Compton. And we did, we started a major screening program, which actually the um, the Parks and Rec people took over. And, you know, and had, you know, major screenings. I started that program. We showed movies and we brought, not only showed the movie, but we brought the stars. And I said, why why don't we share, you know, all the blessings that we have, you know. So I started a screening program in all in all the major parks in downtown Los Angeles. Um, one of the teachers at Washington Prep High School, which is uh, in South Central, came to one of the screenings and he said, well, why can't we have screenings at, at the school? And we had a couple of screenings at the school um, in the auditorium, but we started a film program with the kids and teaching them movie making and bringing bring down mentors from BAFTA, makeup artists from BAFTA, and you know, and teaching them the behind the scenes, you know, what happens in in movie making as well. Yeah. As not only not only acting, but uh, you know. Anyway, so. BAFTA started this major filmmaking production programs that we got them computers, you know, for editing purposes and all the rest of it. Then a woman called Melanie Andrews was hired to do the theater productions at Washington Prep. And I met with her and we just, and Paul Heller and I decided that we would start a Shakespeare program. And we did a performance of Romeo and Juliet with BAFTA mentors in three different parks. The next production was Twelfth Night. And then BAFTA decided that we were a film production academy, not theater. So Romeo and Juliet was the only, you know, considered theater rather than, than, than film. BAFTA pulled out of the Shakespeare program and Paul Heller and I started our own nonprofit called Inner City Shakespeare. I see. We, we did Twelfth Night with Melanie and the Washington Prep kids, and we did, and then two productions of Midsummer Night's Dream, and oh, then nice. and uh, and Inner City Shakespeare is still functioning. We did a, a Zoom Romeo and Juliet last year, and uh, huh. 
And so inner city Shakespeare is still in full fledged. That's amazing. Inner city to me is uh, is is cricket. It's Shakespeare. It's filmmaking. It's uh, I'm proud to say that I've originated all those programs, and uh, now we're here today with me with awards awards all over my walls. And as my mother would say, in if she was alive, how wonderful your walls are covered with all these awards. What a shame you can't afford the walls to hang them on. <laughs> not everybody feels this onus to help people. It's not an onus. It's, a, it's an absolute joy. And it comes from, it, it, it comes from a very selfish, self-rewarding position in life. You know, it just, it gives me pleasure, you know, so, but it does, it does put you in a, you know, a bit of a financial situation when, you're dedicating your entire life to helping others, but you forget that you need to earn, yeah. earn a living doing it. Now that I've grown up, I'm, you know, I'm back in the film business and hopefully, you know, can make some films. It says to me so much about who you are. And I feel like the world, the earth would probably be a better place if more people felt that way. Yeah. The joy of helping others, you know. I, I, I don't want to put myself into position as the sacrificial lamb to society. And that's not the case. I remember when I got this award from University of Bedfordshire, I was made honorary, honorary professor of Bedfordshire University. Wow. And uh, I went there and I got, I got my award. I was talking to the students and I said, you know, oh, you're all very blessed to be here, giving you the opportunity to work in, in various and sundry professions that, that you would like to work in. And said, But I said, one of the greatest rewards you will ever achieve is once you've achieved your desire to to do the work that you want to do, don't forget the disenfranchised and the the less fortunate who are unable become what you want to become. And and when you reach out to them, help them in any way you can, therein lies the richest rewards. So wonderful. And that's what I said in my speech. And I have to say, you know, the rewards of, you know, seeing the, you know, my cricket team now, you know, raising their families, working really hard, earning much more money than I ever dreamt of during the time that we were all together. And, you know, and having careers and and raising their own kids and seeing what's happening to them, you know, on Facebook, you know, with their families, you know, their kids are grown up or their kids are already grown up. During my life in the film industry and and my life in the uh, nonprofit world, I forgot to do one thing, get married and have children. Oh, whoops. Yes, you know, I don't have I don't have a family above me and I don't have a family below me, except I have this huge extended family. Yes. You know, the cricket team, you know, are still just a phone call away. As are, as are many of the Shakespeare kids, you know. They follow me and I follow them. So I'm not at a loss for any family members. I have That's good. a huge amount, you know. Well, I feel like Los Angeles is the city of chosen family. Oh, yeah. I mean, not even chosen family, but automatic family. You know? Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't choose them. Um, they create we, we created the, our, our family together. Yeah. They are exceptional riches, as you say. I love they that. are. Yeah. They're just, you know, you know, it's a Jewish expression. You shep nachas from the things that you from your family and nachas, which is that feeling of that reward is what what you get from doing those sort of things. I can't think of a better way to wrap up season one of Hearthside Salons. Stay tuned for more conversations with fascinating folks and inspiring creators in season two, coming your way soon. Special thanks to our graphic and sonic designer, Joel Harris. 
Our theme music is by Lachey Swing. For more on our script coaching, online concept pages screenwriting courses, and writing retreats in Italy, again someday, or to be part of our live recording audience, visit us at pagecraftwriting.com, at pagecraftwriting on Instagram, and at pagecraftwrite on Twitter. I'm Heidi from Pagecraft. Thanks for listening and stay well.